Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Benny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. One of my favorite guests that we have on the show each and every week is Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review Journal and, and the Morning Tailgate right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And Vinny joins us now. And Vinny, thank you for your time as always. It was great catching up with you today at practice for a quick short minute. It's weird, no, isn't it? It's weird not staying outside for all of practice, just having that little small window like we had today. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I guess we're going to trade that for um, getting in the locker room after practices now, uh, starting next week. So um, I, I think I'm going to take the locker room uh, on this one. Uh, although I, do, I, I did love just being out there talking to you uh, during training camp and watching some of these young players uh, emerge, watching the brilliance of Devontae Adams day after day and his battles with Nate Hobbs. Uh, those are memories that uh, I'm going to keep with me a long time. Yeah, you know, one of those guys that you noticed off top, and let's go ahead and start there. Uh, number 40, as we often reference them, Isaiah Palomoa. Uh, he makes the squad as an undrafted free agent, and you pointed him out from the jump. He wasn't even on my radar, but you said, man, there's something about that number 40, and uh, he ends up making the 53. So obviously the coaching staff thought there was something about number 40 as well. What stood out to you the most about Isaiah when he really caught your radar? Yeah, um, well, first of all, he went from being number 40 to us to then it became Isaiah, you know, uh, yes. after a while. Because we kept looking, who's 40? What's 40 again? You know, yep. so uh, that's kind of how it works in, in training camp. I'm sure the coaches are doing the same thing sometimes, but he just kept flashing. First of all, he passes the eyeball test. This is a legit six foot four, lanky, kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, long athlete. He's definitely smooth out there uh, in terms of the athletic ability. Uh, there, was one, there was one sequence that really stood out for me, and it was early in training camp, and it was on a one-on-one. It was actually on the, uh, the drill that they did where it was safeties uh, and linebackers defending tight ends and running backs, and he got beat on a, on a play. And uh, one of the secondary coaches pulled him aside and kind of you know, got, got into him a little bit, explaining what had happened and, and what he did wrong and what he needed to do better. And on the very next rep, he executed it beautifully. And I remember uh, he looking at the uh, secondary coach, and he just, the, the coach gave him a, you know, one of those knowing smiles like, you got it. You know? And that's what coaches want to see. You know, it's, you're going to make mistakes. The, the key is, do you learn from them and do you get better from them? And he it felt like he just kept doing that. But he's just an athlete, a guy that was always around the ball, as Josh McDaniels kept saying, a guy that was always out there as well. Um, I don't, I can't remember him missing a rep or a practice or Luke Masterson or, or uh, you know uh, Darian Butler, Sam Webb, all these guys that made it as, as undrafted free agents. I felt like they were out there every single day, grinding it out and showing these coaches that they deserved to be out there and deserved a roster spot. Right, and I'm glad you brought up Sam Webb. We just uh, had the voice of uh, Missouri Western Athletics, uh, Tommy Rajak, on talking about Sam Webb. And, Vinny, I had no idea that pretty much the Raiders stole him from the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, right in their backyard, they stole him. I mean, he grew up a Chiefs fan. Uh, they got the voice of the Chiefs talking about him and saying that the Chiefs need to go get him. And the Raiders found a way to get him as an undrafted free agent. One, that's a hell of a player anyway. Look, I mean, from everything he did in training camp and preseason. But two, to be able to steal him away from an AFC West rival, I think that's a big deal too. Yeah, and it was pretty obvious from the get-go that this guy could play too. And again, the length. Um, you know the size. This is a legitimate six foot two uh, cornerback uh, over there. He was he, he showed that he could hold up in press coverage. He looked pretty comfortable in zone coverage uh, when you know when he had to be physical in the run game. He was physical in the run game. 
So um, he never looked like a rookie to me whatsoever. Uh, so not not a big surprise that he made it. And, and that's interesting that you should point that out because um, you know one of the little things in, in, in professional football, you get like visits. You get a certain amount of visits from uh, you know college players that are in your vicinity. Yeah. Um, you know, like for for the Rams, USC, UCLA. And I'm sure I'm sure the Raiders, uh, USC, UCLA, UNLV. Those types of schools are in that vicinity. So that's why a lot of times on on, on you know uh, some of the uh, undrafted free agents are guys that are close to you because you had contact with them and you were able to bring them into your building above and beyond the visits that you officially get that you could bring you know 30 or so players in from in and around the country so um, for them to do that and take away who, a player that I think is good and a player that frankly beat out Trayvon Mullen if you want to know why Trayvon Mullen is no longer on the roster it's because of Sam Webb Right, absolutely. Again, we're talking with Vinny Bonsignore here on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Vinny, a player that I wanted to ask you about was someone that at the start of training camp didn't ring that many bells for me, but as training camp progressed, he became a household name. That's Tyron Johnson, T. Billy, the nickname. So what did you see from him from that start of training camp to where he is now to earning a spot on a team and what his role may be for the regular season? You know, it's it's, it's funny you should bring that up because it was sort of – what we saw early on, and he was a different player than he was last year, and I give him a lot of credit for this. I think he fi- he kind of realized as a young player, you know, sometimes you know uh, this has to happen. But he told us, you know, uh, somewhere along the line in training camp when we when we talked to him that look, I'm here because of my speed. I'm in the NFL because of my speed, you know, um, and that's that's been his ticket, and that's why he's you know been around for a couple of years now. But he realized and understood. But to play, to actually play, to actually stick on a roster, not just be a practice squad guy, not just to be a special teams guy here and there, um, he needed to hone his craft to become a well-rounded wide receiver. He still got the speed, there's no question about that. But what really stood out was that he was becoming more of a complete wide receiver. Uh, and really, that's what won him this spot. I don't think a whole lot of people going back to you know, April and May thought that, that he was going to make this team, especially after they had signed Demarcus Robinson DeMar- and, and, and Keelan Cole, veterans that you kind of had pegged for the roster. Um, but he came in sort of a changed and improved player to his credit. Uh, and he made that work for him, and he made it, at the end of the day, kind of an easy decision by, um, uh, by, by the end of it. DeMarcus got you know, released a, a week and a half ago or so, uh, and, and Keelan got released yesterday. So um, he, he earned his spot without question. And DJ Turner as well making the squad. He was someone that I thought was on the bubble but was rooting for him to make the team. What do you see his role being with the Raiders for the regular season? Loved what um, he's talked about today. Uh, you know, when you think about special teams for him, um, you know, the first thing you think about is, you know, him returning kicks or returning punts, and that's great and all, but like he said today, but I'm out there, I'll block on a, on a kickoff return. I'll go chase the kickoff, you know, coverage down. I'll be the gunner, um, uh, you know, on, on, on punt. So there's all types of different ways that you can contribute on special teams, and I think he realized that, and he took it seriously. You know, sometimes guys just pay uh, special teams lip service when, they, when in reality, when you're a DJ Turner, um, that's, that's your ticket. That's your ticket to the team. Um, not to say that he can't make it as a wide receiver because I think he's growing in that spot as well, and now he's the primary backup uh, to a Hunter Renfro, but to solidify your role, to differentiate yourself from other guys that can maybe you know, uh, back up a Hunter Renfro, you have to be special on special teams and be willing 
to do it. And some guys take it seriously, some guys uh, don't. And I think that on the back end of that roster, what you're seeing are guys that did take that role seriously. Talking again with Vinny Bonsignor here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You know, talking about taking things seriously and putting in the work and getting everything you can get out of it. It sounds like what head coach Josh McDaniels was talking about this morning when he was talking about the undrafted free agents and even some of the guys who weren't undrafted free agents that didn't make the roster. He's like, hey, some guys, they take it really seriously and they put all the work in and they get the most out of it. And some guys just don't. They have to learn the hard way. It seems like with this regime, Vinny, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you put in is absolutely what you're going to get out. No question about it. Uh, There's an old uh, Dodger manager, Grady Little, uh, from North Carolina, spoke with the Southern draw. And I, I, we asked him one time, or I asked him one time about, you know, playing time. He's like, son, I don't determine who plays the game. The players determine who plays the game. And that's the truth. You either are going to earn your, your, your spot and your role and your playing time. And, and they decide, players decide that. They, they, sometimes it's a, it's a hard message for, for, for some players to get, but you're going to earn your keep, you're going to earn your spot, you're going to earn your rep, you're going to earn your playing time. It's not the coaches making that decision, it's literally you. And it can go both ways, uh, of course, and we saw that with an Alex Leatherwood. He kind of earned his way off the roster, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, for him. But, you know, for, for a lot of those younger players um, who were out there every single day and maximizing their reps, not just in practice, but when we saw them against the Patriots, during the, uh, the the joint practices and, and in games when they got the opportunity, that's why I kind of I get really mad when people talk about how preseason isn't important. Go tell Tyron Johnson or Luke Masterson or Dorian or Darian uh, Butler that preseason isn't important. It's extremely important, and those are, are uh, you know golden opportunities for players to get out there under the lights and in real game settings uh, and show that they could t- you know uh, apply what they're learning in practice and in the classroom into an actual playing field. So it might not matter to some fans i get that i understand that but it's super important for a bunch of young players that are trying to uh you know make their way in professional football Ivany, you just mentioned alex leatherwood and how he basically played his way off the team q always goes back to a point in training camp where he saw chandler jones basically wrecking alex leatherwood and that wrecked his confidence and i know last week you put out the piece that saying hey all options are on the table but for you personally when did you see it change from hey alex leatherwood he's working he's competing for a spot to hey he might not make it on the team after this camp I would say it was about a month ago, and I think it was a Saturday, and um, all of a sudden, you know, uh, all of a sudden, it went from Brandon Parker splitting first team reps with, um, with Alex to all of a sudden, right in the middle of practice, it was Brandon Parker and Thayer Munford splitting those first team reps, and Alex Leatherwood was coming in in the second, team, the second and third team, for that matter. Yep. And I think Q probably remembers that day, that day well. Um, yep. And ironically enough, and this is really what kind of solidified it for me, and I think Q feels the same way, is Alex spoke that day to us after practice. And um, the player that we saw on the field, because um, you, could, you could tell that something wasn't right. You could tell that he had lost a, a little bit of uh, momentum right there, and that people were passing him up, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he comes out and talks to us, and his voice, his demeanor, his body language, um, it just sounded like a dejected guy, uh, somebody that had lost confidence, somebody that was starting to question a lot of things. Um, and it, it just didn't sound right. It didn't look right. We wrote about it. We talked about it. Uh, but from pretty much from that point on, I think the writing's been on the wall uh, for Alex Leatherwood because you know what? He never regained um, that 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 status. Even when guys got hurt, Brandon Parker got hurt, and all of a sudden it was Jermaine. It was Thayer Munford taking the first yeah. team snaps, and Jermaine Illuminor behind him. And then Thayer gets hurt, and then it was Jermaine Illuminor uh, taking the first team reps. So he had all kinds of opportunities and didn't seize it. And so for me. 
that's that's uh, you know uh, where I go back to, and and I was there with Q when when that happened with Chandler, um, and he just it, it looked like you know he was so dejected and so disappointed, and that's the worst thing that could happen. It's the last thing you want for yourself because um, you know you're going to ruin it for yourself with that kind of mentality. Yeah, and speaking of Alex Leatherwood, Vinny, how big was it that the Bears actually claimed him off waivers and actually took a little bit of a salary cap relief from, away from the Raiders? Yeah, uh, that was. I got some texts from some NFL people that were kind of scratching their head over the the Bears doing what they did rather than signing him. Um, you know, after he cleared waivers, because it was a huge favor for the Raiders. And we're not just talking about um, salary cap space. Like when, like a, a guy like Corey Littleton and, and Nick Wachowski, when the Raiders released them, their their money was on paper. Their money had already been paid. It was literally just paper money at that point. But it, you know, it was cap space, right. quote unquote. But it wasn't cash. Like there was no more cash that was going toward any of those players or is going to either of those players. It's all been paid out. When you talk about um, you know, Alex Leatherwood, had the, had the Bears not done what they did, that $7 million um, uh, that, that he was owed was going to be paid out by the Raiders. Um, so you're talking about a cash savings and a, um, uh, a salary cap relief savings as well. So, so what, what, what the Raiders thought they were going to be paying him a, either if he had been on the team, or B, had he gone through waivers, now that money is freed up. So there's there's might be a little bit of wiggle room now in that budget to go make some improvements um, if they if they see some improvements out there. Where do you think if the Raiders and Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly go make some moves? Where do you think that like they need to address this certain area? I think um, definitely the offensive line. I think they want to give it a fair shot, you know, to, to see, okay, can Thayer, I think Thayer is going to ultimately be the, the starting right tackle. I just got that kind of sense uh, doing some poking around, unless Jermaine Illuminar says, no, 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 that ain't happening. Right. And, and, you know, so he could definitely, you know, uh, fight his way to, to hold on to that job. But I think they're going to give both of those guys an opportunity uh, to show that, you know, they're the guy at that position. Um, and if they don't, then I think that that's an area where, you know, the Raiders will absolutely try to look to, uh, to upgrade. If not, then problem solved uh, right there. And, and maybe you look at the, the, the defensive line. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's, not too many, there's not too many areas of this team that, that I feel, you know, like is keeping any of the staff members or coaches up late at night. I think they feel pretty good about where they are, and I think they just want to see now, you know, can Thayer or, or Jermaine Illuminar be that guy over there at, at right tackle. Yeah, Vinny, something that made today a big day of practice was Darren Waller's return. You know, it uh, it's almost seems that like now that he's got the new representation, the hamstrings feel him just a little bit better. But when do you expect the deal to be done with Darren Waller if it happens? That's a great question. And I, I still don't think that any of that had to do with any of, of him not practicing. I think that he wanted to get right. He didn't want to, you know, expose that, that hamstring to, to any further damage. He needed it to be 100%, and he had every right to do that. Did, did, did the contract play into that a little bit? Yeah, but I don't think it was like some ploy or anything like that. Um, but as far as the contract, you know, I, it, it sounds like I know both sides are motivated. I definitely know both sides are, are, are motivated. Um, but, but, and I still think that, you know, it's the Raiders who kind of hold all the cards here because he is under contract for, you know, this year and, and next year. Um, for whatever reason, whatever his previous um, representation was asking for, it wasn't what the Raiders were, were willing to do, obviously, uh, or else he would have been, been signed already. So I think whatever adjustment needs to be made is going to be on Waller's side in terms of saying, okay, 
you know, if I wait, I could get probably a little bit more, um, or be in a, have a better uh, position of leverage. Um, if I, if I do it now, it's probably going to be more closer to, to what the Raiders are looking at numbers wise. So they're going to have to have a, a little bit of a compromise, but I think the Raiders are firm and, you know, this is what we're willing to do right now. Uh, if you want to wait, we could revisit it. This is what the, this is what, you know, uh, we think it's, it should look like right now. And it's going to be on Darren and, and, uh, and Drew to decide if that's to their liking or not. But I think something does happen. And I would say sooner rather than later. I can't put a, a time on it because, you know, covering this as long as we have Q, um, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen before we go to sleep tonight. It's weird how these things sometimes all come together. And it's very, very difficult to predict, especially when you're on the outside looking in, because there's a lot of different things that everybody's sort of looking at. But when it comes together, it comes together pretty quickly. And so I can't put a time on that just sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm with you. And I've been saying, I've been putting all these different like dates or, or first day of camp or first day of the regular season. I've been putting all these different things and I keep proving to be wrong, so I'm not going to go there anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to do like you and say sooner rather than later. And Vinny, before we let you go, you had a really good explanation or you know thought on this uh, whole situation on the morning tailgate this morning with Clay and Heidi when you were talking about him changing representation from Clutch to uh, Drew Rosenhaus and why he may have gone with Drew Rosenhaus moving forward. Yeah, um, you know, just doing my own kind of poking around, talking to people that are, you know, uh, in this business. Uh, the, the, the feeling was, because my question was, how does it get to a point where you just literally fire your agent? And that's exactly what, you know, Darren Waller did. And um, I think, you know, uh, for multiple people, um, you know, their, their, their feeling was it could have been that, you know, Clutch set some unrealistic expectations for him. Hey, we're going to be able to get this, this, and this. Um, and, and that's what we're going to get, you know, and, and as, as, as it turns out, that was an unrealistic get, you know, and football is a little bit different. I know Clutch does a great job, and, and I think, you know, the, the, a bunch of their guys are, are NBA players. Yeah. Um, football is a little bit different in terms of the financing and how contracts are constructed and the money that, you know, certain positions get as opposed to other positions. So, you know, maybe they just set some unrealistic um, expectations for Darren, and it, when it was becoming pretty obvious uh, that it wasn't going to work out um, or that those expectations weren't going to get met. Either they were still trying to hold out for that, you know, and, and telling them to wait, 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 we'll, we'll still be able to get it, we'll still be able to get it. And the writing was kind of on the wall, and then we're, not, we're probably not going to get that. Um, and I think that that's – and I'm sure somebody was telling him, like, look, you know, I, I'm – very curious who that person might have been, and maybe it was multiple people, that was probably back-channeling toward him and saying, look, you know, uh, we're just letting you know that uh, they're not, maybe they're not on their, their P's and Q's, and maybe whatever they sold you on, uh, is, it, that's not going to happen. So you can stick with them, but it, you just let you know they're asking for something that's very unrealistic. So that's kind of the sense that that, uh, that, that was out there, and maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not, but... All we do know is there were some misgivings, and something wasn't sitting right with Darren, uh, and he made a change. And I think for the for the better, because somebody like Drew Rosenhaus, this is his life. He's an NFL agent going all the way back, and he knows the ins and outs. He knows how deals get done. He knows what deals look like, uh, what the right kind of money is to seek, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's another reason why I think that this could happen sooner rather than later. You know, and I know I said that that was going to be the final question I have for you, but what does it say about Darren that he's out there practicing when in all reality he probably doesn't need to be? Yeah, uh, especially right now, I think that, um, that that was definitely a good sign. Uh, I, I fully expected to see him out to practice next week, and, and whatever the contract situation is, I fully expect him to play uh, you know, against the uh, Chargers. He knows what's at, what's at stake. 
Um, and he also knows, A, you don't play, you don't get paid in the NFL. You get paid by the games you play. So um, very few guys want to sacrifice any paychecks. But I also think that the way he's, especially the way he's wired, how special this season is shaping up to be, um, he wants to be out there, you know, for his team and then let his play, um, you know, sort of, you know, guide the contract. Like, like the worst thing that you could do, in my opinion, is not play because, you know, that, that, that can, that can, uh, cause some, some ill feelings really quick. Uh, when everyone's on the same page and you're out there playing and doing your thing, it just, it just makes a deal a lot easier. And I'm not ruling out that there, a deal will be done before he steps foot, uh, you know, at the field at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers. Yeah, and I'm just glad that he didn't scrub his social media either. He didn't do all those shenanigans like we're seeing a lot of different folks right. do. I just think that that just shows the kind of person that he is, and you know, just what to expect from Darren Waller. So when he's sitting courtside at a Sparks game, or excuse me, at a uh, Aces game with his owner and the owner of the Aces, it, it told me like. You know, yeah. everything's, everything's good. Everything's good. It'll get done. Right, yeah. We're good here. We're good here. Else he wouldn't be sitting there hanging out next to MD. So uh, good stuff, Vinny, man. We definitely appreciate you. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, uh, well, we just finished. I just finished all our preview stuff, which is coming out September 6th. Um, you know, I know that Ed Graney's got a nice column coming out on um, this being, this roster being sort of uh, the, the, in the likeness of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good uh, story to, to read how they put their, put their imprint on there. However, the good news is that they, they came in here with a clean slate and they gave everybody a fair opportunity. And like Josh McDaniels said today, uh, Q, Wherever you came from, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's what you do when you're here. And however you got here, you got here, and everyone's going to get uh, an opportunity to show they belong. And, and I, I feel like those weren't just words. Uh, that's, he, they, 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 they spoke it and they walked it, and I think that that's pretty darn refreshing. I agree 100%. I thought that was uh, really good stuff that Josh gave us earlier today, some nice little nuggets that he dropped uh, early in the, in the day around 11 o'clock this morning. So, uh, Vinny, definitely appreciate you as always, my man. Great stuff, and I know you'll have a, a great show in the morning with uh, Clay and Heidi on the morning tailgate. I appreciate it, man. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, brother. There he goes, Vinny Bonsignor. You can catch him every single weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang on the morning tailgate. And, of course, he does great work in the Las Vegas Review Journal. As you talk about, he, you just heard what he said he's got coming up and what he just finished working on. Right now, currently, I'm watching Serena Williams in, uh, in round two of the U.S. Open. Uh, it's tied one-to-one right now, but she's currently up 40-30. to 30, So she's uh, got a break point right here that she just lost. All right, so there you go. One to one, and it's love. It's forty forty now. So uh, we'll come back with more. We got plenty of calls and texts to get to. Also, want you to hear from Raymond Chester, Mike Haynes. We got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. So we're going to hop right into it. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Been going fast and furious on today's show. Demon Cotney's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. Just wrapped up our conversation with Vinny Bonsignor. Make sure you tune in to the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 with Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and, of course, Vinny Bonsignor. They'll get you going every single morning here on Raider Nation Radio 920, followed by JT the Brick, and then myself and DeMond will take you home the right way. So that's how we get down. Got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. Got a bunch of text messages that we want to get to. Also want to hear from you. Mailman Raider threw out a good question there. On the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r Random fun question. Who wins the Super Bowl first, Belichick, Brady, or McDaniels? Well, Brady's already won one, so there's that. <laughs> but, I mean, moving forward, 
I mean, I, you, you look at Tampa Bay and you feel like they're in a pretty good position this year. I think that's going to be a little bit of a regression for them. Uh, I don't see why the Raiders don't actually be a better team than Tampa Bay this year. So there's that. Um, I don't see the Patriots this year even as a playoff team. I mean, I'll just tell you that right now. I feel very comfortable as I do ESPN national shows. I've been asked many times, do you think that the Patriots are going to be a playoff team? I continue to say no, especially based off what I saw. And I know it's one of the preseason and joint practices, but what I saw from them, they didn't look too hot. Until they figure out exactly what they're doing offensively, I definitely believe they take a step back. And look, there's no doubt Bill Belichick has earned the right to make his own decisions, be his own dude, right? But man, some just don't feel right about what they have going on right now in New England. So I'll say, just based off talent alone, that the Raiders will probably be the next team. I mean, you're not counting Brady already winning the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll say that they'll probably be the next team to win one, only because I think it's going to take a while for New England to get where they need to go. And Tampa Bay, I think they take a step back, and then Brady retires after this year. So uh, I'm going to roll with the Raiders. Uh, that's probably also some of silver and black Emmy coming out, <laughs> right? Just saying that because of the talent that they have. But uh, they also have the skins on the wall when it comes to coaching. And, uh, you know, when they've talked about been there, done that, I think they have that as well. So I'll just, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there and say I think the Raiders will get it done first. But I could talk about it all I want. They got to go out there and be about it. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, DeMond, who we got up? Brother Marquise. Brother Marquise at the 305, rep Miami one time. What up, my man? What's good, Q? What's going on, man? Man, you got it. Chilling, man. It's been a minute. How you doing? Oh, man. I'm blessed, brother. Blessed. There you go. Hey, um, I wanted to get – this is something that's been on my mind the last couple, last couple days, man. And, you know, I think now with this, with all the trouble, we, with Alex Leatherwood getting cut, it just it's just re, a reminder of all the bad draft picks they've had. And, you know, everybody in Raider Nation kind of just kills the old regime about how bad they, you know, how bad they were and stuff like that. But, you know what, they left the roster in a way better spot than it was when they took over. Yep. And a lot of the reasons why Josh McDaniel's new regime is here is because of what the old regime built. Yeah. And um, I just don't, you know, you know, I get it. They, they got, they're, they're fired for a reason. But I think that, they, you know, they don't get enough credit also for what they did build. You know, they might have missed on some picks, but they sure hit hit on some, too. And so, you know, I, I just think that they need to tip their hat, too. And I thought Josh McDaniels actually brought that up in his press conference, and I was glad he did. Yeah, I agree. And thank you for the call, my man. It's good to hear from you. And, no, I, we've said that a few times here on the show that, you know, we can poke fun at and, and, and rip them apart for, you know, the Alex Leatherwoods, the Damon Arnett's, you know, guys like that, the, the, bad, the bad picks that they had. We can do that all day long. I mean, Henry Ruggs was a whole different situation, so I'm not going to rip him on that. Uh, picking, you know, Clee Furl at number four, we can rip him for that if we want to, even though Clee's still on the team. But, man, you're, you're not wrong. You know, they got some really good quality years out of Josh Jacobs, and, oh, by the way, he's still on the squad. Jonathan Abram, oh, by the way, he's still on the squad. But Max Crosby just got extended. Hunter Renfro just got extended. Colton Miller is still there. I mean, there are some pieces that they, they put on the squad. You know, they kept Andre James around. Remember that? They gave Andre James that, so he's continuing to grow. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a lot of things that they did do. Trayvon Merrick, Nate Hobbs, those guys. I mean, they, they did. They just missed out on, on the first-round picks, and you want to be able to hit on those guys so you, you, know, you get that fifth-year option that you have the ability to do, and they, and they weren't able to do that. But, no, there's, there, I think you said it perfectly. I think it's the best way you could put it. The roster was in a better position 
once they left than it was when they got there. I think I can think we all can say that comfortably. And uh, that's, so that's a good observation right there. And you're right. If this team is not in the position to win like they are right now, Josh McDaniels doesn't take this job. If this was the Raiders that John Gruden received right after Jack Del Rio, then you don't see Josh McDaniels here. I, I don't believe that at all. Not to mention the state-of-the-art facility and this awesome stadium that they have at Allegiant Stadium. All that plays a factor into what they have right now. Dave Ziegler, the whole, the whole shebang, man, everything that they brought with them. So great point, Brother Marquise. Definitely appreciate you. Like I said, man, it's good to hear from you. You got to hurry up back to Vegas, man. We got to go have dinner again, or else we're going to have to head to Miami and invade your town. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, DeMond, who's up next? Charles in Kentucky. Charles, K-Town. What's up, Charles? How you doing? Hey, very good, very good, man. Just an hour from Nashville. An hour from uh, DeMond's old stomping ground. I'm going to the Tennessee Raider game. Uh, anyway, anyway, I called for I just had a few goofy little questions and a, and a comment on something. Uh, when, when a guy gets on the practice squad and it says he gets like 80000 when he gets in the game, uh, Q, do you know if he gets a bigger check or is it just his straight 80000 he gets? I always was curious just to know what kind of living them guys on the, on the practice squad make. And uh, just for the record, man, I was listening to PFF the other day tell you and DeMond about the Raiders and tell them about their offensive line. I was thinking to myself, man, DeMond and, and Q know more than that guy, PFF. <laughs> and I'm just, it just cracked me up that you all kind of like, I okay, know it's good for the show. You're like, yeah, man, yeah, man. I'm thinking, he's got to be rolling his eyes going, man, this guy don't know what he's talking about. But I just <laughs> wanted to throw it in there because I love this show, man. I support you guys. And I've uh, been a Raider fan since the uh, first game I watched was Blitmakoff and Stabler beat the uh, Vikings in the Super Bowl. And, man, I wish I would have had a show like this list to when I was 11 years old. <laughs> anyway, I just want to know about that salary cap and uh, – Everything's good. I was a big Sam Webb fan. I love seeing him make it because uh, it's like playing with house money when you see them undrafted free agents make it. So I'm really rooting for this kid. So right. anyway, I just want to know about the sour cap, Q. I love your all show. Devon, maybe you come down to Tennessee. I'll see you down there. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> thank, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And really, it's it. It all depends on the on the language of their of their uh, contracts. You know, if they're able to get incentives for being called up. But I would think, and I don't know 100 percent sure. Uh, I would think that they do get some kind of uh, you know game game check slash bonus, whatever it is for for being called up. So there there could be some language in their contract where if they're on the practice squad throughout the course of the year, that this is what they're going to make. But if they do get called up, because that's what most contracts. They have their uh, their incentives and everything based in there, and they're able to, uh, to get more. So I can't tell you with 100% certainty, but uh, that lets me know that next time I have a, a, a guest on, like a Joel Corey from CBS Sports, who who uh, you know is a is a former agent, we can get that question and, and get it passed along to you. So where I don't know 100%, um, I can get that answer, and so we can all know for 100%. But thank you for the call. Thanks for the compliments on the show as well. Definitely appreciate you. Good stuff. And you can continue to call in at 702-365-9200. One of the guys that I want you to hear from was Raymond Chester. He was part of Raider alumni on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, it was really all weekend long. It was a lot of uh, really cool times and fun times to be able to see so much uh, Raider glory and Raider alumni walk through the building and you know just be proud to be there and be honored by the team the organization even the players that are playing today so uh, that was really cool Raymond Chester was a guy we had an opportunity to catch up with here is that conversation here with Raymond Chester here at Alumni Day. Over 300 of you guys are here at Allegiant Stadium as in preparation for this game, but it's really the weekend and the Raiders celebrating you guys. What does that mean to you? 
Well, man, I got butterflies, man. I see all these guys, you know, and most of them are looking fit, you know, and uh, excited about coming through the stadium. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the old old feeling, you know, on the way to the stadium, on the bus, that kind of thing like that. But no, we, we have realized that, you know, it's long past our time, and we're just excited about the new Raiders, the Raiders here and, the you know, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, what, what Mark has done with the team. Um, the new coaches, the new management, man. We're, I'm excited like I don't know what about <laughs> what we've seen so far in preseason. Yeah. Uh, I like the simplicity yeah. of both the defense and, and the offense. I'm looking for great things out of the offense uh, in terms of production. Um, also looking for great things from the defense. Uh, you know, there's, there's some things that stick out at you. You know, we'd like to stop the run a little better. We'd like to run the ball a little better. Right. We always want to have more pass protection. So those are the things we'll be looking for tonight. And, you know, as the season progresses. You know, you mentioned the preseason. The Raiders are looking really good. They're 3-0. I know that it doesn't matter in the win-loss column. But what does it matter? You know, what does that mean for a team to go and start off with a new regime? And they're 3-0 in the preseason. Look like they understand what they're doing. Hey, anybody that tells you that winning does not matter. <laughs> preseason, I don't care if it's marbles, hopscotch, yeah, or yeah. pitching horseshoes. All players, all athletes want to win. Right. So preseason or what, even if you don't play in the game, you still want the boasting rights. You want to, right. you want to win. So anybody tells you the preseason, that, well, winning in preseason doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's smoking something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So, but so in answer to your question, um, we get a good chance to see. You know, a lot of a lot of aspects of the offense and the defense. The good thing about getting ahead and and you know and winning, like going into the second half and whatever like that, is more players get to play. Right. So all the guys on on the team are are hoping to get on the field, do something positive, get a lead. The starters are saying we get a lead, we can get out of the game. Yeah, yeah, you. right. The, the guys that are trying to make the team are saying get a lead so we can get into the game. Right. So it all it all shapes up. You know, and and you, you talked about uh, having 300 members of the alumni here. What does it mean for the Raiders organization to be so adamant and make sure that they take care of their alumni and bring you back? Because every organization doesn't do that. Well, you know what? The Raiders understand the, the, whole, the true meaning of family. Yeah. Um, you know, family, to have family, you have to be family. So the Raiders, Mark can't go around talking about his family unless he, he exemplifies family. And the players it, it reciprocate. I mean, these guys, we are brethren. And we all respect that and feel that and express that in, uh, in, in different ways. But mainly we support the team. If there's such a thing as a vibe, yeah. as, a, as a spirit of winning and whatever like that, we bring it right. when we come, man. So I think, I think Mark is well on his way to, to doing recreating the, the, the ambiance and the aura that we, had, we established when we were in Oakland here in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you, the fans love it. The fans are, I mean, are, are just locked in to this franchise and, and the silver and black. And I, I'd like to think that the old guys help, help, you know, help to establish that. Oh, no, you guys planted the roots. You guys were the roots of everything. But I, I, before I let you go, I want to ask you about this building that we're in right now. Legion Stadium, you've seen the uh, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the, the headquarters. What do you think of just the facilities in general? Oh, my God, man. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know if you ever played anything, just badminton or pitching pennies, you walk into the stadium, you, you know, you get a sense that you want to play, man. I want holy mother. Well, you know, let me let me play one play. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. So it's just the uh, stadium is obviously state of the art. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful tribute to to uh, you know Al Davis 
and and Mark, who you know fit, fulfilled the dream, yeah. uh, as well as the other executives and coaches and, and the, all the staff in the Raider organization. This is a fabulous stadium, and I think the Raiders are going to establish a reputation for like really, really getting off when they play in this stadium. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. There he goes. Great Raider tight end Raymond Chester with us there at Allegiant Stadium and a part of Alumni Weekend. And again, man, it was such an honor. We talked about it all week long leading up to it, but it was such an honor to be a part of that and just be there on the black carpet, as they called it, just to see all the greats come in. And look, I got to talk to about eight or nine, and I saw everyone else come rolling through, right? I didn't even stop and get to talk to a Richie Incognito. I didn't get to talk to an Andre Risen. I didn't get to talk to many on top of many on top of many. There is just, it was obviously too many. Lester Hayes walked right by me. I didn't get an opportunity to talk to him. Uh, you know, just a blessing that we're even positioned to talk to the guys that we did. But you get four or five minutes with a Raymond Chester, what else do you want? Right? I mean, what else do you want? Four or five minutes with the great Raymond Chester, one of the great Raider tight ends in the history of the team. We've been talking a lot about Darren Waller today. Well, one of the guys that got things rolling, you know, Freddie B, obviously. But, I mean, you got Raymond Chester, obviously Freddie B, the Hall of Famer wide receiver. But, I mean, Freddie B, Tim Brown, all these guys that we have chances to talk to on the, on the regular that, are, that were weapons for the silver and black. It's just incredible. Got to talk to Marcus Allen. You got to hear from Tim Brown earlier in the show today. Incredible. Incredible. What, a, what an opportunity it was for us to be there and such a blessing and Many thanks to MT, Mike Taylor, for uh, uh, sending out the invite and, and allowing us to be there and just be a small fly on the wall, a small little key cog to the whole process that was Alumni Weekend. 4.43 is the time. We'll come back, get to a couple more of your text messages. We'll take a couple more of your calls as well. And if we have enough time, we'll squeeze in the great Mike Haynes, the Hall of Famer. We'll hear from him as well as we close things out. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. I'm up here watching the U.S. Open. I ain't gonna lie to you. It's 3-3 right now. Serena's doing a hell of a job. First set. Everyone and their mother's in attendance. Tiger Woods is in the house. Dionne Warwick is in the house. I mean, everyone. All kind of celebrities in the house to see Serena. This is incredible. I don't know. This might be her last match ever, but who cares? This is fun to watch. Checking her out right now. She's got advantage. She has a break point number two. And what's this? Seventh game? Yep, seventh game in the first set at the U.S. Open round two. Got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, as we close out the show. Safe to say Gruden picked in the first round and handed over round two and on to Mayock. I don't know about that. I've heard a lot of people say that, but I would like Brother Marquise in the 305, man. I mean, again, there was, there was picks that you looked at and you said, eh, not so much. And then there's other picks you looked at and you said, yeah, that was a really good pick. Or those players ended up being really good. I'm just going to continue to give the credit to both and I'll also give the blame to both. You know, I just I don't think it's fair to just say unless we know if Gruden ever comes out one day and I'm sure he won't and says, hey, I was responsible for Damon Arnett. That was all me. One hundred percent. Then I can't just point it all on him and I can't all point it at Mayock. I saw a lot of people yesterday blaming Mayock saying, oh, that's another terrible pick with Leatherwood. I can't point it all the finger at him either. I mean, they, again, work together in, in, in tandem, just like if I don't know some pick that. 
that this regime has that doesn't work out or some free agent signing that this regime has. It'll be on Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, and Josh McDaniels. I, you know, even though we know Dave Ziegler has the final say, I feel like that they work together as a unit. So I, I just I think it's fair. It's like if, if we have a bad show, and according to some, we do. If we have a bad show, it's not, it's not just 100% on me. It's on DeMond, too. And if we have a great show, guess what? It's not just because of me. It's because DeMond, too. I mean, that, that's just how this thing works. I mean, this is, this is teamwork here. This is, I mean, the teamwork makes a dream work. If, if I fail, he fails. If he fails, uh, I fail. If, if he's successful, guess what? I'm successful and vice versa. There's no, there's no this show without DeMond. You know, and there's there's no this show without me. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So can't say, well, hey, man, three quarters of the show sucked. But that one last quarter that DeMond really held down, that was great. No, I mean, it's just, it's a tag team thing. I, I just I don't I don't think it's fair to point the finger at just one without pointing the finger at the other. Uh, Gizmo said six the hard way. That call right there is a modern day classic. Best believe Horowitz will only continue to drop these awesome gems on the call. I'm not worried. I'm wide-eyed for the future. DeMond, that was one that you mentioned, Six the Hard Way. You said that that was one of your calls that you like from Jason Horowitz as well. Oh, exactly. Man, Six the Hard Way reminds me of uh, Lil Wayne. I forget which mixtape it was. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but Six the Hard Way, if he just keeps that for every rushing touchdown or maybe even like a nice red zone, like if Darren Waller just goes up there and snatches one. Right. You know, just like a fade round, just snatches one down in the red zone. Come on, man. Six the Hard Way. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it, too. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, those are going to come org- organically. I don't think there's anything to that where it's like, this is, this. oh, I'm, gonna, I'm forcing this, this issue out there. I don't think that that's the case. So uh, I, I've been very happy with what I've heard from Jason Horowitz. Uh, you hear his sounds on our airways, Radio Nation Radio 920. You hear the calls, uh, you know, in some of the rejoins that we have. And I just, I think it's a lot of really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for that text. Again, that comes from Geese Mode. Um, and then one more text. Big Dub Raider said, to respond to Raider Dave in Denver, I'm pretty sure one of those 2000s Colts teams with Peyton Manning, Edge, Marvin Harrison, and Dallas Clark were the teams that had the you know 4,000-yard uh, passer, the 1,000-yard receiver, 1,000-yard tar- tight end, slot receiver, all that, the just, and, and running back. Uh, basically, uh, dynamic offense. And, and you're right about that. Those Colts teams led by Peyton Manning, they were some fantastic teams. The thing about that, until he finally won that Super Bowl, I thought that that was always going to be one of those things where it's like, man, they're great in the regular season, can't get it done in the playoffs. But he ultimately did. They ended up, ultimately ended up winning the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy uh, as the head coach. But I thought for the longest, I was like, man, Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback ever. <laughs> He's never going to get it done in the Super Bowl until he did. Right? I remember that Super Bowl, the Colts versus the Bears, and uh, who did the Bears have as their quarterback? Uh, Rex Grossman. Yeah, Rex Grossman. That was gross. But, you know, on the strength of the defense and just doing enough to get them there, they got them there. Just wasn't able to pull through and get the dub. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Before we wrap up today's show, uh, let's go ahead and hear from Mike Haynes. It's only a couple quick minutes. We got him at Allegiant Stadium on Friday as a part of Raiders Alumni Weekend, and here's that conversation. Here with Mike Haynes, uh, all-world DB, NFL Hall of Famer, and uh, one of my friends. Talk to him all the time. And, Mike, we're here at Allegiant Stadium, and, I mean, this is an alumni event. Over 300 of you guys are coming back to be with each other. What, what does that mean to you, and what does it feel like seeing all your brothers? Well, it feels great. You know, a lot of the guys don't look like they did the last time I saw them. <laughs> you know, but, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be together and talk to them about 
you know, old times and what they're doing now, catch up on their families and stuff. Uh, and we share a lot of a lot of new things that we've learned either about the game or about health and wellness. And it's a lot of fun. So, you know, coming back and, and watching the team play, now I haven't done that yet. So after, ask me that question after the game. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. We talk to many of the alumni and they say we all get together and we all talk and we all tell lies and tell stories. <laughs> who tells the best stories and who tells the best lies? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I'm only telling the truth. You know that. Right, right, right. Well, what, what I mean, what is it like, though, when you get with your guys and you guys are sitting around telling some stories? I mean, who, who, who really pushes the needle? Uh, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> you know, but you could, you're right. There are a lot of stories yeah. being told, um, but not so much about football, but more about what they're doing, like, or, or about their golf game or something like that. Right. Yeah. So the Raiders take care of their alumni like no other organization in, in NFL. And one, I don't understand why that is, but it's just the Raider way. So how, how important and special is that for you to be a part of that? It's, it's special, and it's the right thing to do. Right. You know? And so that's why I think a lot of the guys – uh, they come to these events because they know that they're going to be treated like royalty and they're going to have a good time. They roll out the carpet for us and uh, they make sure that we enjoy each other. You know, we talked multiple times as uh, Cliff Branch was going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We were there at the party. It was a great party. What was it like finally? You said that you didn't know how you were going to feel when you saw Cliff go in. What did it feel like when you saw Cliff go in? It felt great and uh, I wish it had happened a lot earlier. You know, he was one of the greatest players to ever play. Now, that will be recorded in history forever. Everybody knows that. But it would have been nice if he could have enjoyed it a little bit, you know? Absolutely. And uh, not a bad party when you have Diana Ross there. No. Yeah. Yeah. And she hasn't changed at, at all. all. At, all. at all. Does she age? Not at all. <laughs> Mike. Still gorgeous and sounding great. I heard that. Appreciate your time, Mike. Thank you, man. There he goes, Mike Haynes. Just a couple minutes with Mike, and he's always generous with his time. Uh, just wanted to catch up with him and just get his thoughts on, you know, on Cliff Branch and, and being able to go into the hall. And he was there, and he was there at the party uh, with Diana Ross was there performing. So, uh, just, again, it's great to catch up with these guys. And, you know, when you see them, what an honor, right, when you see them, and they're like, hey, what's up, Q? Or, hey, what's up? You know, it's, it's like now all of a sudden they, they get to know you by face and name, and it's just it's really cool, man, and um, just just proud to be part of uh, a small part uh, of what's going on with the Raiders and, and the alumni and all of them coming back and being able to enjoy what's going on and being able to be celebrated by the organization, the fan base, and, of course, the, the new team and, and even the new regime uh, led by head coach Josh McDaniels, who's fully embraced being a Raiders head football coach, and that's also been cool part of the process. So that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thank you so much for all the text messages, all the calls. We got a ton of feedback. We love hearing from you. 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, 702-365-9200. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920.